0: Good morning, Christ Church. It's good to be with you today. My name's Chet. I'm uh, from West Campus, but glad to be with you here. I know many of us are, are coming into church uh, after that Ohio State game, and uh, we're, very, we're very spiritually confused. Why would a good God allow such suffering? Um, and it's theologically perplexing, and I, I don't know all the answers to that. We just have to trust him, but uh, but I do know this: I do know that heaven wept with us yesterday. <laughs> the angel shed a lot of tears, so um, so we'll just move forward with hope. But let me pray for us, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your gentleness in our lives. Thank you, Lord, that you love us, and your love is merciful. It's kind. It's, it's gracious. gracious. You're slow to anger and quick to forgive Father those qualities are what make you worthy of infinite worship and Lord we pray that we could just recognize those qualities see how you've worked them in our lives and Father as you have treated us that way help us to treat others in a like manner we pray Father that you would grow gentleness in each of our hearts today We ask this in the great name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, church, did you have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah? Get enough to eat and still kind of shaking those carbs off? Yeah, me too. This year, my family and I, uh, my wife and I have two daughters, Emery and Abby, three and one, we went to my brother's in Minneapolis. We originally were going to go in March of 2020, but obviously that didn't pan out, so we've kind of been looking to get back there and go out and see them, so finally this was the year that we did it, and, and traveling with the, the little ones is, uh, y- there's a lot to it, you know? You, you all know what I'm talking about here. You, you gotta, you know, pack up. We got a Corolla, so it's hard to pack up a Corolla with everything. Uh, not the most functional one, but great on gas, so, um, and I'm cheap. Anyway, but uh, so we we pack that thing up, and that's like you know like stage one, and uh, and then it's you unload it all at the airport, you know, do all that, and you know, and, I, and I'm pretty good, and, and I'll be honest with you, Church, traveling in the airport pushes the limits of my Christianity. <laughs> I I have lost my salvation several times. I've I've had to kneel in the terminal and rededicate my life to Christ because <laughs> I, I struggle, so i 'm a broken man and and so this year we kind of got everything, and I was you know I was doing okay, I was keeping it, keeping it cool, and got the tickets and then and then we got into the security line now, of course, it's Thanksgiving week. this is one of the biggest travel times of the year, so the line pretty much filled up the whole terminal. so I was like, that's cool. Um, yeah. but I was doing my breathing exercises and Um, I was was good, and the line was moving slowly, but but then all of a sudden, it stopped moving, and I was struggling, and I saw them, you know, like rearranging everything and reorganizing the line, and I thought, is this really the time to do this, you know, there's a lot of people here, and they were reorganizing it so that dogs could sniff people as they walked, and I just thought, is this really the time, is this really, because now everything's even backed up more. And it was at that point that I was done. Um, and so then kind of as we got closer to someone who worked there, I had just tried not to, but I just had to say something snarky, you know. And it felt good for a minute. I was like, yeah, I got you guys back. But then I was like, you're an idiot. Did that, <laughs> did that do anything productive? And of course it didn't. And I've, I've realized that, that that's a theme in my life. That when, when Allie and I, when we get into a disagreement and, and things escalate, and then I say something cutting and mean, church, believe it or not, it doesn't actually help our relationship. <laughs> is that, I, it always feels like, oh, this is going to be helpful, you know, uh, to me. And, and it's not helpful to her, believe it or not. In fact, I have yet to have a day where Allie wakes up and she says, Hey, Chet, thanks for being a jerk yesterday. My day was going really good, and you balanced it out. Thank you for that. I, I needed a little equilibrium. It, that, that, that harshness and that, that meanness, it, it feels good for like a split second, doesn't it? And you're like, yeah. And then you're like, no. Hmm. wish I could get that back. Anyone else? I've, I've had nights, I, I've never had a night where I laid in bed and I thought, man, you know, I wish I would have been more of a jerk today. But I've had nights where I laid in bed and I was like, I wish I wouldn't have said that. Anybody else? I notice that when, when I start to lose my patience with my kids, it doesn't help when I get harsher. You know, they're not like, oh, okay, Dad, now we hear you. <laughs> yeah, we're good now. Uh, no, they just usually cry. <laughs> and, and, it, and it doesn't get anywhere. But is it, isn't it weird how it's such a natural path for us to go down, but yet it never produces the results that we're actually looking for, right? Isn't that, and, and it, that it, it feels good to go down that path in the moment, but then it just creates more damage in a short period of time. And so during this new sermon series that we're in, we're going to pray and ask for God's help to develop this quality of gentleness. Because what I was explaining is what I would call the opposite of gentleness. And gentleness is one of those qualities that we drastically underestimate. And we drastically uh, underrealize how powerful and how transforming it is in our lives. And so we're going to pray and learn and seek God's help to figure out what it's all about. So, turn with me to Psalm 18, and I'm going to read to you some verses from verse 31. And this is a psalm from the great uh, ancient King David. And we're going to learn about gentleness from this psalm. He says this, For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? The God who equipped me with strength and made my way blameless. He made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure on the heights. He trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You've given me the shield of your salvation, and your right hand supported me. And if you have a copy of the scripture today, underline this or circle circle it. And your gentleness made me great. That phrase with me. Your gentleness made me great. And today I want to ask the question as a beginning point How does God deal with you and me? Is God a harsh God? Is God a cruel God? Is God an unsafe God? Is, is, is God a God that, that is going to set you straight? Or is God a God of gentleness? How does God ultimately deal with us? And here's what David says He says, Your gentleness has made me great. What is God's avenue? To add value to your life. David says, gentleness. What is God's channel to make us greater in our love, in our character, in every capacity of our life? Here's what David is showing us today. Gentleness. Gentleness is the tool that God uses. How powerful is that? He goes on, you gave a wide place for my steps under me, and my feet did not slip. Now, I want to give you a definition of gentleness that that we can use through this series. I found it online, so it's got to be true and good, right? Um, And it says this, A mildness of temper, softness or tenderness, freedom from roughness, soothing. Being gentle is a displayed action from having inner peace and self-control. See, sometimes we characterize gentleness as as weakness but actually, you can never be gentle unless you're first strong. It can only come from a place of strength. So they said it comes from inner peace and self-control, right? If I, if I lose my temper, that doesn't mean I'm, mean I'm strong. It means I'm weak, right? If, if, if I'm harsh and bullish and intimidating, it doesn't mean I'm strong. It means I'm weak, right? Gentleness can only come from strength. Self-control that also outwardly portrays kindness in our relationship with others. Now here's what I believe. We all need more gentleness in our lives. We need more gentleness in our marriages, church. We need more gentleness in raising our kids. We need more gentleness with people we work with and see all the time. We need more gentleness as a culture, right? The the way that that we think it's okay to talk to each other, the outrage, the nastiness, right? We see social media and all all of that. That's not healthy, right? God calls us to something better. And how many of you today, if we're honest, say, you know what, I could grow in this. I could grow in this. I need to grow in this. I want to grow in this. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Now, for those of you who didn't raise your hand, I got six reasons why you need it too, all right? But I'm going to give them to you gently. So here's, here's the first one. Gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit, as the Apostle Paul says. What this means is that God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is at work in you and me. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit's at work in you. And He wants to make your inner world look a certain way. He wants to develop certain qualities in you, and we call those the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and guess what? Gentleness. God says specifically, whether you have a gentle temperament or not, it doesn't matter. He says He wants all of us to grow in gentleness, you and me. And so if you're a follower of Christ, you you are called to grow in this. Here's the second thing. Scripture constantly calls followers of Jesus to make gentleness the tone of their lives. As you are reading through the scripture I want you to begin to notice in the new testament how many times this word actually comes up It was actually very surprising to me. Here's just one example. Ephesians 4. Paul says I therefore a prisoner for the lord Urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called with all humility and what? Gentleness. Think about what Paul's saying. He's saying, hey, if you want to walk worthy of God's call on your life, this unbelievable call that God has invited us to be sons and daughters, to be part of his kingdom and his purpose, this unbelievably amazing thing. He says, hey, if you want to walk in a way that reflects the dignity of that call, then here's how you do it. You live a gentle life. Isn't that amazing? You live with gentle. Now we have have you ever met a christian who is not gentle but harsh? Aren't they annoying? <laughs> Anybody? I mean, right? Aren't they super annoying? You know, one one author said that the greatest cause of atheism in the world is christians. And and but what what he means by that is the harsh christians that that we see that somehow get all the airtime you know, and that get all the viral videos and stuff like that, and we're looking and we're like, oh my gosh, quit talking, right? Because it's repulsive and it's ugly, but yet, church, have you ever met a follower of Christ with a gentle spirit? And isn't that just the opposite? It just pulls you in. See, I really believe one of the, the greatest assets of our church is this. We, we are a church that loves people and accepts them right where we're at, Right? What I love about our church, this isn't a pretentious place, right? There's not a lot of, you know, um, ceremony and things like that. It's just a real place where we're all really broken and messed up, but looking to a great God who loves us despite all that. And I think it's attractive. I think that's a reflection of, of gentleness. I think it's something beautiful about our church. Gentleness pulls people in. It adds value to our marriages, families, work, church, and community. It it will always make relationships better. One of the the greatest lies in our mind is that gentleness isn't a helpful approach. And yet, it always adds value. It always helps. Fourth, gentle Christ followers are far, far more influential. We talked about that. Here's one that always gets me. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, with the measure you use, It will be measured to you Now this always Challenges me because here's what jesus is saying. He's saying hey if you want to be harsh and nasty with people And if you want to you know be all uh self-righteous and on this Then then you are inviting god to treat you that way Which I can't afford that (laughs) Anybody else I can't afford that I need God's mercy. I need God to say, Hey, I'm going to give you an infinite amount of mulligans. I'm going to give you an infinite amount of grace. And so here's what Jesus is saying He's saying, Hey, if you want that from God, then you better give that to other people. You with me? With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Yeah, sure, you can go be harsh and mean and critical and nasty, but. Is that what you want God to do with you? No way. Not if we have any ounce of self-awareness at all. We should not want that. And then lastly, church, gentleness reflects the heart of God. Don't miss this. Jesus said, Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29, he said, come to me, all who are heavy laden. He said, and I will give you rest. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly at heart. That's how Jesus describes the heart of God, gentle and lowly. Now, think about that for a second. There's maybe a lot of other adjectives that could be used there that that would make sense to me, right? He could have said, the heart of God. Come to me and learn from me, for my heart is righteous and noble. I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. My heart is majestic and holy. Yeah, that makes sense. You're the almighty God. My my heart is is courageous and good. But he says, here is the best way to understand my heart. It's gentle. It's gentle. The more that we know and experience God, the more we will see a gentle heart. And what an amazing thing that is, church. Amen? What a, what a, I am so thankful for that. So let's talk today, then how can we, learn to grow in this quality. Now, David begins a psalm, and if you read all of Psalm 18, you will see that this is a psalm about war. And it's ironic that in the midst of this battle scene, David says, the gentleness of God has made me great. He finds the gentleness of God in a very non-gentle place. And I find that significant, Because here's what we need to know about gentleness. Gentleness is not dependent on peaceful circumstances and peaceful people. If I'm only looking to practice and experience gentleness when life is easy and good and people are easy and good, I'm not going to have a ton of opportunity for it. (laughs) You with me on that? Gentleness is meant... To be in non-gentle places. Because when it's in non-gentle places, it transforms the environment and the experience. You with me on this? And you and I have seen this happen without knowing it. Right? Have you ever been in an argument with your spouse? And it started about something really, really dumb. You're like, you didn't close the pantry door. You know? But then all of a sudden you know, you guys are ready to divorce and at World War III over the pantry door. Or does this just happened at my house? I don't, <laughs> y'all are like, no, I've never been there or done that. Okay, well, let's move on to the next point then. Um, right? But, but you, it, it keeps escalating, escalating. But then what happens in those moments where someone brings gentleness to the table? What happens in, the, in those moments where, where someone apologizes? that never happens. What happens if it did, though? What happens in in those moments where where we we start, we get off our high horses, and and we try to love each other? It changes the environment, right? What happens when, you know, we're really frustrated with our kids, but instead of just kind of laying into them, we step back. Like, all right, what's going on? And then they begin to open their heart you're like, I, I didn't know that was all going on. And now, now your whole perspective's different, isn't it? And their perspective's different. You change the environment. What happens at, at work when people are, are piling on someone for, for making a mistake, and they're, they're laying into them, and then, and then all of a sudden, you bring, you bring forgiveness to the table. You bring protection. And then everybody backs off and thinks about their approach. It changes the environment gentleness is best in non-gentle places but to practice it it has to be born from strength now i know in my life that there are some danger areas for me and there are kind of around these things when i get really busy i'm a little bit more prone to being a jerk anybody else when I'm stressed and there's some, you know, big things on my plate and I don't really know how to figure them out and I'm, I'm like, mulling them over in my mind as nauseam, I get, I get a little meaner. Anyone? And the one that really gets me is when I'm hungry. <laughs> and I can't be held at fault for that. God gave me the, meta- the metabolism that I have, so I really... It's actually kind of a joke at my house when Allie will see see me kind of getting irritated. She'll be like, when was the last time you ate? I was like, you say the same thing to the kids. I'm a little offended by this, but but nonetheless, it's true. But all of those, here's here's what all those are reflective of. I'm worried that I don't have what I need. I'm, wor- I'm living from a place of weakness because I- I'm afraid that I don't have enough energy. I don't have enough intelligence. I don't have enough ability. I don't have enough time. And so I'm, I'm living from lack. I'm not living from strength and it-, it exhausts me and it brings out the worst. Here's something powerful that David does in the psalm. He finds strength in God. And look how he does it. He says, God You are my rock. I can always count on you. If you want to stress yourself out to the max, then here's a great way to do it. Think that you are the only person that can deal with the problems that you have. That there is no help beyond you. And that you gotta figure it all out. And you got to make it all happen. And, and you've got to be the one to produce the outcomes that you long for. Now, here's the interesting thing about David. David was the king. So all the biggest problems, where'd they go? They went to his desk, didn't they? David didn't have the luxury to, you know, cast the biggest problems off because he was the leader. The buck stopped with him at the end of the day. But here's what David also knew. He said, yes. It seems like it stops with me, but there is one higher than me that I can go to. And it's God. He's my rock. I don't have to carry this all alone. And some of us, we're trying to carry it all alone. And we're stressed out. We're exhausted. And we're mean. And God's like, you forgot that I'm your rock. You can delegate this up. You're not meant to carry all the problems you face alone. God never put that on you. God said, hey, when the weight is too much, you come to me. You come to me, and let me prove, let me show my faithfulness to you. Now, here's what else I love about the psalm. David's in the midst of this battle, and he's overwhelmed. He's afraid. He doesn't know what's going to happen. And i found in my life, and through the scriptures, that God is a lot more prone to answer the prayer of change me versus change my circumstances. David here, he's in the middle of this battle. You know what I bet he wanted most? God, teleport me out of here. That's what I would want. And, and if you could just teleport me to Maui for like a week that's all just a week I'm not asking for two get me out of this place but here's what God does in the song David I'm not taking you out but I'm going to make you more than what you are right now I'm not going to make the battle less I'm going to make you more I'm not going to change the circumstances, David. I'm going to change you. And church, I think so many times we're stressed, we're maxed out, and and we just need this perspective shift where we realize God's saying, hey, I I don't want to change the battle that you're in. I want to change your capability to fight the battle. I don't want to eject you out of this difficulty. I want to raise your ability to navigate the difficulty." You with me on this? And that's a very different thing. And I find that God more often than not wants to do that in our lives. And some of us, were frustrated that God isn't changing the problems that we see. And God's like, I don't want to change them. Why not? Because <laughs> I want to change you. Because I'm playing the eternal game. I'm not playing the short game. I'm playing the long game. And I'm working for the development of your soul, not the ease of your life. And I know, let's be honest, we want God to make it all easy. I can tell you he never promised to do that, though. That's the bad news today. You can leave if you want to. I won't be offended. (laughs) But he does want to make you more. He does want to make you more. He does want to make me more. And that's what he does to David. Look at the Psalm. Look at what He does. He said, You equip me with strength. I need more strength for this battle. God said, I'll give it to you. He made my way blameless. I didn't I didn't know the right way to go. I didn't want to do the wrong thing. Well, God showed me the right thing. He made my feet like a deer. I used to run like a cow, but now I run. I don't know. <laughs> I'm guessing cows aren't fast. I Gave up farming a long time ago, so I don't know for sure. But just kidding. Anyway, he he set me secure on the heights. He took me to safety. He trains my hands for war. He he gave me skill that I needed, so my arms can bend a bow of bronze. Here's what David says: God, everything I needed, you gave to me. And today, if we were all to come up on the stage and we we're gonna and we were to share the unique battles of our life, they would all be different. Every one of us in this room is facing something challenging. Every one of us is facing something that we don't have the strength for. it, We don't have the skills for it. We don't have the wisdom for it. We don't, we don't have the—the the maybe the, the safety spot for it. But here's the good news today. God will give you what you need when you need it. You don't need him to change everything. You just need to trust him to bring you what you need. And he will. And he will. And he will make you more. Then the last part of this song, David says some beautiful things about what God has done in his life. We can never give what we haven't received from God. And David says, this is what I've received from God. He said, God protects me. He's given me the shield of his salvation. And that's about protecting. And I want you to know, God, whether we realize it or not, is always protecting us. We don't need to live in a defensive posture in life because God is protecting you. My daughter Emery, for these last couple months, probably like a lot of us, she's been sick, cold, all that sort of thing, and so when she gets sick, it disrupts her sleep schedule, and so then she's been waking up in the night, you know, from coughing or sneezing or, you know, not, not being able to breathe quite real well because she's all congested. And so normally she sleeps really good, but then when she wakes up, for the last several weeks she'll wake up and she'll start, we'll hear her crying out, mommy, daddy come in here, mommy, daddy, come in here, you know, and she just, she's, she wakes up, and, and she's scared, so that's been a lot of fun to, to do that, Um, but every night before she goes to bed, you know, Allie will say to her, hey, you're safe, you're safe, mommy and daddy are right next door, our bedrooms, right next door, you're safe, it's okay when you wake up, just hug your bunny, close your eyes, It's all good. Mommy, dad are right here. It's fun trying to reason with a three-year-old. I don't know if you've done it lately, but uh, it it hasn't quite worked. Because her her mind is still maturing. So the reality is she is safe, right? We are right there. We're right next door. She's safe. She's good. She has nothing to worry about. But because her mind is still maturing, she doesn't know that in the way where it gives her well-being. And I just wonder, I wonder if that's how God looks at us sometimes. I wonder if God's like, you're safe. You have me. I'm right next door. I'm not going anywhere. I have everything you need. But we're like, but God! He's like, I know you don't get it because your mind is still maturing. But you're safe. And here is David in the middle of this fight. And he says, God... I feel your protection. And some of us, we need to know you're safe. Your God is with you. He's got you. He won't fail you. Then he says, your right hand supported me. And I love this. I've Recently, uh, this week, I read a book by Richard Rohr. He's a Franciscan monk, and he just has a cool perspective on things. But he wrote this book called Breathing Underwater, And it's an explanation of the 12 steps of AA, of Alcoholics Anonymous. And he goes through them, and he explains them, and then he gives kind of some uh, spiritual ideas around them. And I just think the 12 steps are really helpful, um, and he had some great insight in it. But the first step is admit that we're powerless over our addiction and our life is unmanageable. That's the first step. Admit you're powerless. And I think that many times, it's hard for us to admit that. It's hard for us to think that it does, doesn't does depend all on us. And yet what AA and Richard Rohr and many others would say, that you really can't grow until you start there. And this is what David's saying. Your right hand supports me. I can't do it without your support. I'm powerless I need you and I will depend and lean on you and some of us we're in a season of life where we stop doing that and it will exhaust you to the bone and I just want you to know his right hand will support you you don't have it all figured out it's not all on you You can trust your God to help. And then David says, you've given me a wide place. I love this because here's how I understand it. You've given me ample room for mistakes, failures, stupidity, and brokenness. You've given me a lot of margin. And I don't know about you, but I find tremendous hope in that verse right there. You've you've given me grace, God. God. You're, you're not just putting me in this, this narrow little path, and if I, if I step off in one way, I've ruined it all. I've heard people you know, tell me over, over the years that, that they've ruined God's will for your, their life. They, because they made some misstep 20 years ago. And I always say, you're not that powerful. You're not that powerful. You can't do that. You don't hold that in your hand. Did you make a mistake? Yes. But God's given you a wide space. Isn't that beautiful about the heart of God? Now, if God has given us a wide space, we've got to give it to other people too, right? We've got to give people room to grow. God's given me a lot of room to be an idiot. <laughs> I need to give people some room to be an idiot too, right? Well, how can I, how can I receive that from God and then demand something different from everybody else. Is that right? I don't think so. And can I remind you today, church, can I remind you of why God's heart is so gentle? Can I remind you why I can just say with absolute certainty that God's heart towards you today is gentle? Here's why. Because when we look at the cross of Jesus Christ, And we look at the brutality of the cross. The brutality of the Roman centurion uh, scourging him and whipping him and beating him. The the brutality of the crowds mocking him and, and all that. And we see Christ just walking through this brutality. It shows us that he experienced the brutality of the cross so you and I forever could experience the gentleness of God. He went through all of that ugliness so you forever can live in the kindness of God's mercy. And so I want to challenge you today. Some of us we need to learn to be gentle with ourselves. Some of us we're okay at being gentle with others but we brutalize ourselves. Some of us we we make a mistake and that mistake turns turns into self-hatred. Some of us, there's things that happened 30 years ago that we still are routinely beating ourselves up with. And we're beating ourselves up with it. And we don't even know that why we're doing it, but we're doing it because there's something that says, well, Christ wasn't beat up enough to forgive this. So I gotta add to it. We don't mean to say that, but that's what we're saying. We're saying Christ wasn't beat up enough so I've got to add to what he took because he took my punishment so he must not have taken enough so I've got to add to it. And the reality is church, if you want to honor God, you need to live in forgiveness. And if you want to really honor what Christ has done for you, then you've got to trust it is enough. That you're forgiven. Learn from it and move on. Learn from it. Enjoy his gifts, learn from it, and serve him. But don't brutalize yourself, thinking that anything good is going to come. Miss me on this church? And some of us, before we can really live this quality out, we've got to learn to live it out in the depths of our own soul. And some of us, we're gentle with ourselves, but we're harsh with others. And we need to realize that God is not harsh with us. That he could be. David says, if you counted our sins, who could stand? That if God wanted, he could could nitpick every wrong thought, every wrong action, every failure in our lives, and, and he could throw it in our face harshly. But yet, here's what God does instead. He says, as far as the east is from the west, so I have removed your sins from you. He treats us with gentleness. He's treated you with gentleness. So guess what? Gentleness is the way we need to treat with each other. There are people in our life that maybe we are being way too critical with, way too harsh, way too exacting. The tone is in the spirit that we have towards them is not reflective of the heart of God. And we need to go back to the cross and see the tone that Jesus set and begin to set it with others in our life, church. Some of us we need to be learn to be gentle with ourselves. Some of us, we need to learn to be gentle with others. We need to see that Christ endured all the brutality. That's where it all went, forever and always. So that we can experience and live from and for the gentleness of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your gentle heart. Father, we acknowledge that our brokenness is ugly, our sin is ugly, and the punishment for it was ugly. And Father, we are truly sorry. But Lord, we also acknowledge that as ugly as our sin is, your grace is infinitely more beautiful. Your love is infinitely more powerful. And we say thank you. And today, Lord, we're just praying for a fresh experience of that love praying in in each of our hearts today, Lord, we could just feel the gentleness that you've brought to us. And I pray it could relax us. It could put us at peace. It could give us well-being. And Lord, I pray it could also give us a new fuel to be gentle with others. Father, where we've been harsh, forgive us. Where we've just been a jerk, forgive us. Where we've been overly and unrealistically demanding, forgive us. Help us to chart a better course. We ask this in Jesus' name.